Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's podcast. Today, we are talking to Kira Gelinas. Uh, we are talking to her today, and she has an interesting uh, background because she she does stage management work, but she also is currently studying um, to be commercial space operations. So I think that's very interesting that a scientist mind working in the arts field, Cindy and I grew up, our dad is a scientist, so we also know a lot about the sciences and stuff and then went into theater but oftentimes you don't see that so welcome to the podcast today we're excited to have you i i think you commented on one of my posts on facebook i forget if it was um usitt's women's network or theater nerds it was theater nerds but i'm also on UC. yeah i'm on both i think cindy's on a couple of them uh so thank you for joining us on the podcast today Thank you for having me. So how did you get, which one started first? Did you, were you interested in the space world or theater world? I've actually been doing space in some way, shape or form since I was six. That's I amazing. was six years old that I went to my first space camp with my dad in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And um, one of my earliest memories, like one of the first hints my family had was I we did this story writing thing in first grade about a constellation, and I made up a three-page story about Super Elmo, the constellation. <laughs> and it's wow. almost been, like, hyper-focused since then. That's impressive. But my, yeah. But my sister is a dancer, and oftentimes my mom would be chasing me down the aisles because I wanted to go meet the lighting techs at intermission and go check out the soundboard. And I guess it's that natural, you know, science and tech mentality and I wanted to see what they were doing and so since my sister was dancing my mom started reaching out to local theaters to see you know what was available out there and I actually got involved in the community theater in high school out here so doing balance nice where is out here uh I live in Salem Connecticut in the summers and Connecticut is home for me I started out at Colchester Community Theater I actually just uh just marched in their parade recently like yesterday for Memorial Day, but um, Daytona Beach, Florida is my home eight months out of the year going to Embry-Riddle down there. Got it. So you're back up north for summer, and then you go down south for school year. Winter. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, that's a perfect combination. That's exactly what I would do. Yep. I, I'm back in Connecticut. In I leave 70-degree weather in Florida in May, and when they're getting hurricanes and 90-degree weather, I'm back in Connecticut getting 70-degree weather and sun. <laughs> like, so like I, I just... never have to leave the 70-degree tent climate. It's perfect. That's why I live in Long Beach. It's like, oh my god, it went below 70 or above 70. What do we do? <laughs> I can only dream. So when you first started in theater, what... What was one of the first things you did? Did you do lights? Were you drawn to sound? Did you instantly start out as stage management? Or did you just kind of want to do everything? I was a lighting tech. That was where they had an opening. And that was where I jumped in. And that's where I first learned to love everything about it. Um, I definitely was ready to help with a strike on a Sunday. Or I was happy to be in a booth till 11 o'clock at night helping with lights. I was a lighting monkey. I was not the designer. But I give everything to the guy that taught me, that first welcomed me in and taught me everything and really made me feel like I had a home and made theater a safe place for me. And now, and so when I left high school, I wanted to keep doing theater and I, because I liked the feeling I had there. And it was a nice break from school. That's amazing. I think we talked about this another time, but, or maybe Stacey and I just talk about it, but I totally agree with you that. And I think so many people in theater feel the same way that when you get into theater or you find your first theater, it does feel like home. It feels like the first place that you actually belong sometimes. And yes. I think it's just, it's why so many of us stay because it just feels so comfortable. So that's wonderful that you had that experience in high school. 
Yeah, well, I also discovered, and this is an interesting little tidbit, I have severe ADD, like hyperactive type, I can't sit still, I can't focus. I get more done during a tech week or during a run than I do when I'm off theater, because I know, like, I have to get that homework done before I get to go to rehearsal, or I'm going to be stuck doing it during rehearsal. And I, <laughs> it's been wonderful for my time management skills. I, I love theater because it's just it works perfectly with my go, go, go mentality. Well, they say if you want something to get done, you ask a busy person because they're the only ones that know how to schedule their time and make stuff happen. I feel the same way when I'm in a show. I feel so productive because I know like, oh, I have to take care of all these emails, but rehearsal starts at one o'clock. So obviously I have to get all this stuff done before one o'clock. So true. Has that helped you in your uh your chosen career path do you think do you the time management part or how do you I think it shows really well on my resume that I'm able to be a team player that I'm able to manage large or small groups and I think those that have theater experience looking at my resume see it and go wow this is probably someone that has that time management skill right so if you love theater so much and you still love space. Was it a was it a decision or a tough decision to choose to get a degree in um, in science in space travel as opposed to in the arts and theater? Honestly, for me, theater was a side hobby in high school, and there was never any question that I was going to be an aerospace engineer, which is what I started as is doing space flight. Like there was never any question for me. And it wasn't until recently that I really started taking it seriously. When I moved to Daytona, I actually went to the Arizona campus first. But when I moved to the Daytona campus, they had a drama club. And I kind of got, they never had a stage crew before. I was the first one to suggest it. And I got thrown into this stage manager's position for this. And I started to take it seriously. And I started to go to the community theater to learn as an ASM for their shows. And that when I started taking it seriously, I started kind of thinking, maybe what if I decided to do stage management seriously? And I don't think right now that it would be a career, but those I'm learning some great life skills that I think could translate really well if I decided to do it professionally. Well, I just have a backup plan. <laughs> That's <yes>. excellent. <laughs> well, most people have a most people have a, a backup plan to their theater plan. I love that you have a theater backup plan to your science plan that's so awesome yep. but I, I think kind of what you said as uh life skills working in a theater gives you so many other life skills that I could see translating to any other profession yeah I mean look at the number of people that you work with you learn to work with people you can't stand you learn <laughs> to work with yep. people that you really like and everybody in between yep you also true. learn what not to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How to write an email to not offend everybody. Or yeah, how to write an email. Yeah. How to write an email telling someone to, you know, go to hell and make them look forward to the trip. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's a quote from somebody that tact is um, the ability to tell someone to go to hell and make them look forward to the trip. But I can't remember who said it. <laughs> if anyone's interested, I'm sure they can look it up. Do you do mostly stage management now at the community theater or did you go back to lighting or do you do whatever is open at the time? I'm prim primarily, I'm recruited for shows as an ASM, so assistant stage manager. I also do props. I stepped in as a lighting um, board op for War of the Worlds back in like October. So I, I do it all, but ASM is like my primary role. And then I SM'd for the drama club. Um, and then that culminated in Rocky Horror in December. And then that was kind of my time up with the drama club because I was just so busy doing so much other stuff. Yeah, I could imagine the aerospace program has a lot of outside work and studying and stuff like that. Yeah, that's kind of why I left the aerospace engineering program and went into commercial space. It's a lot of the engineering space space sciences that i wanted without the math that i did not excel in hmm. interesting I, re I really love math well i want to talk about stage management because obviously that's my my 
of expertise and what I love. So when you first started in assistant stage managing, what what was your initial reaction to it? Was it something that you automatically liked from the beginning or was it something that kind of grew on you? Because I think for me, it was a little difficult in the beginning, but now it's obviously my passion and my career. So what was your initial instinct stage managing a show or assisting a show? My first show coming in from a lighting perspective, I'd taken two years off when I was in Arizona and all of a sudden I'm an ASM for a production of Noises Off, which if you're familiar is a big show. Yes. There's, There's a lot going sets, on. Lots of movement. And they I was and I was like, okay, I need to learn this stuff because I'm gonna be stage managing the drama club. So I'm like, okay, I, I gotta figure this out. And there was thankfully I worked with a fantastic cast who were very nice. They're all older than me. I was like the youngest person around. And I, I was shocked at how much work needed to be done instead of as a lighting <laughs> tech coming in during tech week. Here I am at the beginning and I'm like, oh God, this is never going to happen. This mess. What is this? And I ended up falling in love with it. I, I think I came in with this passion that became a skill set. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It is so true though. I How many shows I've done and Actually, the director that I'm working with currently said this one of the first days of rehearsal. You know, he was like, we we all have been doing this for years and you get to like the first run through on stage or the first tech rehearsal. And inevitably, it's always a disaster. And you're always questioning your life choices. And you're like, why am I doing to this to myself? And then it always comes together. So I I feel that especially as a stage manager, because we are there from day one and you're just like, I have no idea how this is going to work. My, the last show I did was Disaster. I literally closed Savannah Sipping on Sunday, had rehearsal for Disaster on Monday. So no no break in between. And Disaster, of course, this obviously was their first night on the stage because the show before them had just closed. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're how is this going to happen in three and a half weeks? I'm like, we're dead in the water. And you watch it grow and you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe we went from that to, you know, a full house in you know four weeks yeah what is one of your go on that's always the amazing part that it can happen so fast because you give them a script and then suddenly you're like and go everyone hit the ground running we have no time to play around here yeah do you prefer being an assistant stage manager or a stage manager or do you have enough experience as a stage manager to kind of tell which one you prefer? I, I feel like I'm more comfortable in the ASM's position as far as when I did the drama club, we put on a shadow cast of Rocky Horror. And I did, I was the assistant director, the stage manager, the lighting designer. I, mm. I was, and I was liaising with all the other clubs on campus. And I was the press person, the PR person. <laughs> So you've never actually had a chance to just stage manage and not do like every other job as well? Not yet as far as, but the ASM does a lot and watches a lot. One of the stage managers I worked with, I, st I consider very much a mentor. He actually works at my school too. And I go to him for a lot of the problems, but given my, just what I've seen as an ASM at this point in my experience, I would not want to fully SM a full production yet. Like, that would be a dream come true, but at the same time, I'm all too happy to ASM and be stepping in where I'm needed versus having to determine what is needed from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, that it is a, a huge responsibility. <laughs> but I also know, I know a number of stage, or assistant stage managers, let me see, how do I phrase this? People who aren't familiar with stage management, and I fall into this category in the beginning of my career you kind of look at assistant stage management as below stage management and then trying to work their way up to stage management. And I think it was not until I got to grad school where I actually met stage managers who only, who wanted to be assistant stage managers. Their focus was the assistant stage management role. And I think it was really at that time that I realized that to me, the wording should be different. It shouldn't really be assistant stage manager and stage manager. It should be you know, calling stage manager and deck stage manager, because there's yes. so each one of them is so important. And 
they're both so essential to the process. And an assistant stage manager isn't just there to assist the stage manager. You know, they have a whole job that they have to do mm-hmm. that is so important. And it took me a while to to learn that just because in the way my college and high school worked, you know, it was a used as a stepping stone. So I think it's so important that there are people out there who want to focus on assistant stage management and that's where their strengths lie. That's what they really love. And I don't think people should look at it as below anybody else, you know, like it's, it's not a stepping stone. It's not, I don't think you necessarily, well, I think you do have to ASM to become a stage manager, but I also think stage managing helps you become a better ASM as well because they just work off of each other so well. I would definitely agree with that. But like you talked about before, we've talked about before, uh, it's good leadership qualities come from knowing a little bit about what goes on with everybody. Uh, So Mm -hmm. you had a lot of experience with lighting in high school. Do you find it easier to talk to lighting people because you know their language and how to talk lights uh, as opposed to maybe sound or something you don't know as much? Or have you dabbled in enough of all of the fields to feel comfortable communicating, talking to, understanding what all of the backstage jobs are? Honestly, I started getting sound experience when I joined the campus activities at Embry-Riddle. So I've actually gotten a little bit of background in that as well. But honestly, sometimes my experience as a lighting designer will get me in trouble back, or a lighting tech, I guess, will get me in trouble backstage because, you know, the director will want to do this and I'll be sitting back there going, that's a terrible idea. I would do this. And it's just like sometimes the stage manager who's usually older than me will look at me and just go like, shh. it's it's not your turn to give an opinion (laughs) it's not it's not your turn to you don't get to lighting tech the show so that that's something i have to remember sometimes when i'm backstage is i really want to offer you know a lighting idea or hey there's something wrong with this sound and it's not my time but at the same time the last show i worked disaster i was the sound tech at the time i was the sound runner as well as being the assistant stage manager, um, the sound person doesn't like to wear a headset. So if something was wrong, she would text me and say, this person needs batteries or this person's mic is on mute. And I was in charge of making sure those mic packs were running smoothly backstage, getting headsets to people, changing batteries. So the experience does help me be a better assistant backstage to the techs who cannot come back there. I've unplugged LEDs before. I've checked dimmer packs when we've had a when we've had lighting problems so it does help me make a show run smoother in the long run right oh i absolutely agree with you i think working in all those other fields is so essential for our stage management yeah because you know if you don't have any experience with tech and you hear this led is blinking because it's too hot you know the problem but you don't know what to do to fix it while, you know, I can say, why don't we unplug it during the intermission, let it cool off and see if we can get it running again. I know to I know to make that call. I know to say, call up to the lighting, the lighting board op and say, hey, this isn't working. Or if we hear some, we can't hear, we had a speaker broken backstage during disaster and we were able to fix it on, on the spot because I was back there with other people who had done, some of the actors had sound experience too and we were able to get that monitor up and running. Uh, it's great that the actors also do backstage stuff. So well, one this... of them was in high school and is also a tech. So yeah, that okay. was kind of a, that was a lucky, lucky break for us. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I hardly ever have it. Yeah. This is do you the, find, uh, okay. I went first the last <laughs> two times. You can go first now. Okay. Do you find, uh, your education in sciences helping you at all? Because I feel sound especially and lighting are very scientific areas do you ever notice the opposite not the opposite but you know like that education helping in the theater world oh my gosh I could tell you stories I'll I'll stick with (laughs) one my human factors professor I, I wasn't a big fan of human factors going in it's psychology it's ergonomics it's about the human and the machine and she he had us read this story about basically a story about one what happens when human factors goes wrong and I made a theater analogy and it helped me understand it better mm-hmm. and he he thanked me for not making it a space analogy but I've found that it carries over sometimes 
The other thing that's really helped me is when I got to Daytona, I joined campus activities. And instead of just being, we book the acts or we just, you know, advertise the acts, we actually go in, we set up the stage, we mount the lights, we do trussing, we do rigging, we do, we run the soundboard. And so standing, standing around and watching and learning that has helped me immensely in theater. And I guess theater makes me a little more, I, I used to be very shy and I'm much more willing to step forward now. And uh -huh. I'm not as afraid to speak up to, you know, do public to do presentations in class. That used to be my least favorite thing. I got practice, you know, got support from my theater friends and they would let me practice in front of them. And I would feel more confident going in to a classroom situation. So sometimes like I'll hear an analogy and I may not understand it, but then I can put it into theater terms and suddenly it makes a lot more sense to me. Human factors is a prime example of that, how human factors works with theater. So that's that's amazing. Yeah, I never considered human factors. Or I'm trying to think of, you know, pilots who have to deal with both all the time. And it, it mm -hmm. is so similar to theater. And yeah, pilot human factors in aviation is a huge one that we study at Embry-Riddle. That's really awesome. And I love that both kind of complement each other. Mm hmm. I'm very is, lucky like that. Is your school a mostly science-based school, or is it a liberal arts school, or how? what kind of school is it? It's an aviation school, and if you ask anybody that goes there, they'll tell you it's an aviation school. We have our own airport, or our own airplanes, which we fly out of Daytona International Airport. Um, wow. Yeah, we graduate um, mostly engineers and uh, aviation sciences, which are pilots. Uh, most of them graduate with jobs. Um, they they become regional airline pilots. They become uh, they become uh, instructors. And the other thing, you know, next time you fly commercial, I just want you to remember this. I was sitting next to a pilot in my aviation safety class. He got a D on the test and went, "Well, D's get degrees." And I said, "Aren't you a pilot?" And he said, "Yep." So next time you get on a commercial aircraft, I want you to remember that. I don't want to remember that. I fly all the time. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's exactly what needs to stick with us. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? That always do, makes me laugh. I mean, I guess it's true, but it, that's so true in every. I feel like every field, you know, how many doctors passed with a B or a C, if that's allowed, or you know. You know what you call a lawyer who graduated last in his class, right? What your honor. <laughs> you still right they're still a lawyer they're still yeah it doesn't really matter nobody asks what grade you got just if you got the degree yep and that's that's a little terrifying when you think about it sometimes what do you what is your goal do you plan to be a pilot or a uh we have a friend who married somebody who does um what does kate's husband do it's um air control oh atc yeah. So what what is your end goal for this education? Is it to become a pilot, a commercial pilot, or to work more air control or to work more behind the scenes? Well, primarily every riddle is an aviation school. So that's mostly you're going to get ATC pilots and engineers. Uh, we also have an AMS program that's really good. But um, the commercial space program is designed to teach us to work for SpaceX, ULA, the FAA Office of Space Transportation, um, any of those private launches that you see going up from California, Virginia, Florida, all those private companies, mm -hmm. that's who we will go on to work for. Yeah, SpaceX is a big one. I live in Long Beach, and a couple months ago, SpaceX sent out a missile from Vandenberg, and it wasn't announced ahead of time. So a lot of people mm -hmm. were confused and thought alien invasion or we were being bombed. It made this beautiful light across the sky. It blew up the, the Iridium internet. launch. Uh, I don't know which one. It I was the Iridium friend. launch. Yeah, it made a huge <laughs> stir over there. I watched it. <laughs> yeah. We so took trips down to the Cape for fun. That's what we do. Like, we are close enough to the Cape within an hour or so. We go down to the Cape to watch launches. Because that's who we are. We're space kids. I want to work for Mission Control, to answer the original question. I want to work for Mission Control at SpaceX. I, perf In a perfect world, I want to work at NASA, but SpaceX, ULA, I would not complain. <laughs> yeah, SpaceX <laughs> is growing huge. It's going to take over yes. NASA soon. Well, SpaceX, like or 
Uh, NASA's testing the Orion capsule soon, which is supposed to be that the next cap, the next human spaceflight vehicle. So I'm holding out that NASA will have a space for me one day. That is that's amazing. Yeah. So it seems so much bigger and more important. I mean, not more important, but like launching people into space and. We're over here putting on imaginary shows. <laughs> Both are Ian, important. I, I don't think I don't think either one is less important or is less relevant than the other. I think NASA will take people somewhere else, literally, while theater can take someone else away from their troubles or away from their problems for an hour or two, figuratively. I, I think I'm working towards the same goal no matter what I'm doing. <laughs> moving people away from somewhere currently. <laughs> yeah. It's that cool. is such an awesome way of looking at it because we do think in theater all the time, or at least I enjoy theater that does take you away, that you can kind of stop worrying about what you're worrying about for the day or stop stressing about something or have your problems disappear for two to three hours. I work in opera, so sometimes it's three to four hours while <laughs> you do a show. And I never thought about a comparison with physical travel or airspace travel. You get on an airplane and three to four hours later, I'm across the country. And if you're and on you vacation could... for a little while, your problems are gone, just like a show. Yeah, just like a show. I love that comparison. And I also love what you were talking about earlier about how theater has helped you be able to talk in front of groups of people or give a presentation in class. And I think that it's, that's going to be so important, especially in... Uh, air travel and space, being able to communicate with people because pilots have to communicate with people all the time or um, air traffic controllers obviously spend their whole day communicating with people. And so having that theater background and being able to have that confidence in yourself to talk to people is essential in everyday life. Well, I'm going to give my professor something he is probably going to milk for the rest of my career. My SP425 professor had a lot of guest speakers in our class. It's a special studies class, basically. And we had a lot of guest speakers in every class, every speaker we were allowed to ask, we had to come up with three questions. And one of my questions was always, do you see the fine arts involved in your field at all? And they were all space industry people. And some said yes, some said no. But um, Nicole Stott, she came and spoke to Embry-Riddle on a panel last year, or almost two years ago now. And she, um, she went to space and she is also an artist now. And she oh. said one of the big things about being an artist in space is you're able to communicate in non-scientific terms and really, you know, bring it, bring that artistic part to a very cold scientific field. Nicole Stott is definitely someone worth looking up. She is also on the board at Embry-Riddle, so. Yeah, I, say, say the name again, I want to write it down. Nicole Emily? Stott, S-T-O-T-T. Two T's at the end. Yeah, I wrote it down too so I can look her up. Yep, she's uh, on the that is so amazing. She, she's a fantastic speaker as well. And you said she's an artist now? Yep. She does. She, an artist or a visual? Uh, visual, as far as I know, does like fine arts and painting and stuff like that. Just fantastic. I, I've seen some of her work and the way she talks about going to space in a very you know, flowery and theatrical way. It makes me definitely think of the arts in sciences, which are not normally two fields you connect, as you said. That's why I think it's so they hard are, that you're doing but... both. Yeah, yeah. I'm, very, I'm very lucky that I found a place that would take me and would take my school schedule and lets me, lets me kind of get that creative side out of me when normally I'm very much in math, science, engineering you know, writing technical papers and not really getting to do as much arts experience as I would like. We don't, we don't have I, a real, we have a communications degree program. We graduate maybe six people every year. <laughs> <laughs> but they're important people. They I, are. They I talk the, from the opposite perspective, uh, being a arts major, but as Stacey mentioned, our dad is a a scientist. And so we grew up in a sci very scientific household, um, but also a very artistic household because our dad is the one that taught us kind of like how to design furniture and how to build. So, but he always came at it, obviously, from a scientific perspective. And so I kind of go into stage management 
met from a very scientific perspective. Uh, I love paperwork and grids and schedules because to me it's a very scientific and mathematical way that my brain can work in order to make arts work better. And so I love that you take kind of the opposite. You know, you are in the science field, but you use art to help supplement that. So to me, it's you're kind of the opposite of who I am. And I think, but we're both stage managers because I think that's stage managers need to be. Yeah, yes. combination of both sides. Yeah, of the brain. you had to be able to use. That's exactly what I was going to say. Good thing we're twins. Yeah. <laughs> so where's your degree from? You said you got an arts degree. Where from? I have a undergraduate degree from the University of the Pacific, which is a small liberal arts school, which I, the degree doesn't even exist anymore. They they shut the program down a few years ago. Um, most of my training was from there. And I was able to work with lighting. Uh, I lit a few shows. I, was, I learned how to hang and focus lights. I worked in the costume shop for four years. Uh, and then I learned how to stage manage at University of the Pacific. And then because I wanted larger experience, I went to the College Conservatory of Music in Cincinnati, where I got my master's degree. What I love about my undergraduate is I was also able to take, because I started out as a math major, so I took a ton of math classes and calculus and statistics and took a lot of... Willingly? Willingly. I love (laughs) math. To me, that's what I love. But um, I also took science classes and... I went through calculus too in college, and then I was like, "Nope, that's done with that." Yeah, I took calculus <laughs> one. I failed an entire year of engineering classes before I dropped. Before I switched majors, I failed calculus one, physics one, and uh, circuits. I was like, "Yeah, I don't think math is my thing." <laughs> I for my major for the major I'm in now, I only had to pass algebra one and two. I'm like, "Okay, I can do that." Really. Damn, we were yep. taking calculus one in high school. Algebra oh, one and no. two were like junior high, high school level stuff. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with calculus. It was not my thing. It's very confusing. My That's sister is number two an architect, is so she she's doing architecture and she's very good at math. And I wish her the joy of it. She can have it. <laughs> we can't all have math. Some people get it. Some yeah. people don't get it. Yep. Architecture, though, is another field that I feel is kind of a perfect combination between the two halves of the brain because you have to know math and science in order to figure out how to build something, but you have to be also artistic in order to design a house or to design a building. Yeah, and not surprisingly, my sister's involved in the same community theater I am or was in high school. (laughs) And what did she do? Did she do more scenic stuff? She's she is on stage. Like I said, she's the reason I got into it. She was a dancer. She wants to major in civil right. engineering and minor in math or minor in dance. Yeah, so, very different. Yep. What, but the what connection's guys, there for her. Yeah. What did you guys parents do to get you <laughs> so equally balanced with mind and art and science and all that? My mom's an English major. So she was, she, she did not finish school, although she is going back to the community college. I'm very excited for her in the fall and she's going to finish her associate's degree. So I'm super excited for her. Nice. And, uh, but she did, she studied English. And so Serena and I always did very well in our English classes, my sister, but we worked our tails off in, you know, physics and math. And, you know, she went to a STEM based, uh, junior college for high school, middle college, I I apologize, middle college. And um, it was a (laughs) dual enrollment program with the local community college. And so she got that STEM-based education. My school had very good graphic design, very good um, engineering. We had our own engineering classes. We had an astronomy lab. I had a math teacher or a science teacher who very much encouraged me to keep stick with that science program she wrote my recommendation for me to go to uh she wrote my recommendation for me to go to uh space camp my second year so having that fostered at school and then coming home and having my english papers critiqued and my play you know my mom relating those plays and then to go to theater and have those people again you know reiterating how important the arts can be just as much as that science education that all came together to really round me out well. 
that is amazing that you had such good schooling system and support at home. I don't think our school, even though it was like a brand new school and a pretty nice neighborhood and all, I don't think we had a, anything in astrology or... Astronomy. Astronomy. Astro yeah, I always get those astrology two. Is, astrology is fake science. Yeah. <laughs> what Depending on what uh, stars you align with or whatever. But yeah, so we didn't yeah. even have that kind of stuff. We had calculus and physics and theater, but we didn't really go into detailed sciences. I, I don't think, I don't remember anyone taking those classes or hearing about those other classes. Yeah, I would cool get into school, school early. Yeah. I was one of those kids who got to school early, went and hung out in the science department with my homeroom teacher, who was the one, the freshman science teacher as well, Miss Mickle, who you know gave me as much astronomy as she could. She ran the planetarium in the school, and she would let me hang out there and help her with stuff and run movie nights and made sure I knew about it. My my teachers, I think I like to think they saw something in me that they were trying to foster. I think teachers and play a big role in that. Yeah, because they see things that we don't see because we're so focused on trying to figure out who we are in high school and college. And they can see you and be like, you're going to be a stage manager. You're going to go into science. And here you go. Yeah. Here's what you need for that. Yeah, my, my teachers definitely gave me the courage to be unapologetically myself. I think I, I was made fun of a lot. And I, but I think having that backup, I, I wasn't afraid to be unapologetically myself. And my guidance counselor, when I told her I wanted to go to Ambry Riddle, I'd already gotten accepted to Daniel Webster in New Hampshire. And she told me to basically be realistic that I wouldn't work for NASA. And I held out for that acceptance from Ambry Riddle. I worked twice as hard on my essay for Ambry Riddle. I, I was getting in come hell or high water. That's excellent. And you did. Yeah, my guidance counselor didn't encourage me as much as I wish she had, but I think her doubting me made me more determined to achieve what I what I wanted to achieve. Cindy told our guidance counselor she wanted to be a truck driver because they Cross said country theater, truck driver. Yeah, because they said theater wasn't a career. So to piss him off, she said, "Great, cross country truck driver." And we were in AP <laughs> classes, and so I don't think <laughs> the counselor got. I don't. They didn't like that choice either. Yeah, no, they were very upset with me about that because we were supposed <laughs> to spend all this time like in the school guidance counselor. Well, we had a couple classes that we had to like go there, and we were supposed to look up colleges that had degrees and what we wanted, and they're supposed to help us write cover letters. And I just kind of refused to do all of it because I was like, "No, I'm going to be a truck driver." <laughs> like you're one at the top of your class. What do you mean you want to be a truck driver? I'm like, that's what I want to do. So I refuse to look up anything. <laughs> yeah, we and so you I went from truck driver to stage they... manager. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> they shouldn't have told us. Yeah, but I get to drive the show. Yeah. I I get to travel cross country for a living now. Isn't that kind of the same thing? I wanted to be a cross country truck driver. Now I get paid to travel across the country. I mean, in my head, it's pretty similar. <laughs> well, if you're ever in Central Florida, you can look me up. I do. We we go to Florida every year. I've done a few shows down in Naples, Florida, down on the uh, southwest side. And, and I have some friends on uh, Palm aunt Beach Opera. Uncles. I have an yeah, aunt and uncle who are in Fort Myers. So my husband and I go to Florida once or twice a year. So I will look you up next time I'm in Florida. And uh, maybe you're working on a show that I can come see. Well, I'm such a diehard theater nerd. I made a two-hour trip to Melbourne to go see Kinky Boots when it came to town. Oh, I awesome. I haven't seen that one yet. I have friends in it. So but... worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The costumes itself just look amazing to me. Yeah. Those the boots. show was fantastic. I, I'm one of those people who, like, loves to sing along to the soundtrack. I was so enthralled. Like, the thought of singing along didn't even occur to me. Like, it's so, it's so rude when people do it, and I hate it. And I was afraid I was going to be one of those people that, like, caught myself. And then I was just so enthralled with the show and the lighting and the sound. And they, they had a mic that kept cutting out that was driving me up the walls. And I wanted to, like, <laughs> I always have blacks in the back of my car. And I really wanted to go out, throw on my blacks, and just be like, get out of the way. Let me fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but it was so tempting. <laughs> I love that you carry blacks in your car. You're like, I'm going to need these at some point. I'm just always well, going to. I go to class. Blacks with this, me. 
this semester, I only had classes on Tuesday, Thursdays, but that meant uh, oh, I was I running out? eight oh. to five, almost no break, which meant if my rehearsal started at five thirty and I wanted to actually have a chance of eating dinner, I had to change either at school or at the theater. So I always had a change of clothes in the back of my car. Always prepared. What a good stage yes. manager. And a good Girl Scout. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I don't keep clothes in... Sometimes I keep I keep jackets in my car. All of my... Most of my tools are in my car. Yep. Do you have your own toolbox? I've got three bags. Yeah. <laughs> I started doing set crew. So my mom actually, for Christmas this year, got me my own uh, pink toolkit. Oh, I've seen those. I hate pink. <laughs> my dad one year bought me an entire set of... Uh, craftsman tools where I have the circular saw and a jigsaw and a screw gun and an impact driver and batteries and battery packs and flashlights and then all the hand tools and they live in the back of my car and sometimes and I have a leatherman that lives in my purse at all times and sometimes people will be like why do you have this and you're like it's amazing how often these things come in handy we were trying to do a barbecue once and the wood was too big to fit in the barbecue and i was like just a minute and i went downstairs and got my handsaw and came back upstairs and they're like what and i was like you don't keep this in your car (laughs) we were we were building the float last night yesterday for the colchester community theater parade and um they needed tape and i said well i've got gaff in the back of my car exactly (laughs) so yeah nobody does that but there it is yeah, I have a whole roll of like the uh, safety chain that has black gaff tape, white gaff tape, a couple colors of spike tape, a glow tape, and we glow tape. We, we use it all the time, and you don't need much of it. But where else am I going to keep it so that it's with me at home and at work and wherever person's house I'm at? So it lives in my car. It's a little squished and dirty, but whatever, still works. Yep my my glow tape is all twisted and crushed but you know what it's still sticky on the back so it works for me and you know it's funny that's one of the jobs I always have at canvas activities if we because I'm the I'm this tape person I always carry uh I I always the person that gets to spike the edge of the stage for every show for campus activities because I'm just so good with tape (laughs) it's a skill set it really is some people use way too much of it or they don't use enough and the cable doesn't stay down or they put so much on the cable and you're like dude you did not take a whole roll of tape to just get that table to stay in a straight line on the ground. So, yeah, definitely a good skill set to have. Well, I'd prefer the tape, but we have cable path, which means I actually have to lift things. Oh, yeah. What? I have to do I have to do grunt work? But at so the theater, I'm a stage manager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor stage managers. Have to do things sometimes. Oh. I know. Who, who? That's not in my job description. Oh, on my last show, I totally had to mop and sweep the stage every day because it was like an immersive show and I did not have a whole crew with me. So, and everybody was surprised. They're like, but you're the stage manager. And I'm like, right, but I have no crew and I need to mop and sweep the floor. Yeah, <laughs> At the Playhouse, it? it's usually two, it's usually the stage manager and the ASM and maybe for the musical or like shows that we go, oh, maybe we need more people. There may be two more people available. And usually it's me or the stage manager mopping the floors. Yep, the yeah, we're not too good for it. Plus, that's another skill set. I've met people who don't know how to sweep and mop. And it's <gasps> amazing to me that they don't know how to sweep and mop. I gave a broom to a kid once that we'd brought in and he was 14. The dad had worked with us. And I said, okay, the shop needs to be uh, swept and mopped. And I turn around and he's mopping. And I'm like, dude, you didn't sweep. He's like, well, I was going to sweep afterwards. That's not really how that works. <laughs> no, that that would be just a wet, gross, soggy mess. That, exactly. That but that's the problem in today's day and age. Look at the life skills that people do not have in this day and age. Yeah. Clean. They do not know how to balance a checkbook. They don't know how to apply for a mortgage. I didn't realize how bad my student loan problem would get because I didn't get that information. It's yeah. like I, I, people don't know how to boil water or cook for themselves. They're like, oh, I'll eat out every night. And then their budget runs out. Yeah. These are life skills that we're not teaching people in this day and age. It's so true. And th- there should mm-hmm. be basic things that, yeah, how to cook. We grew up in a family that cooked all the time. Even Cindy's figured out how to cook after years of trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh, but, shade. Oh, she no, it's true. I suck at it. Really, really <laughs> I boil a mean pot of water. 
<laughs> but not not everyone can figure that out. And I'm like, well, how else do you plan to eat for the rest of your life? You can't well, eat McDonald's every day. Yeah, true. And I can't. I'm eat pretty sure my husband eats pizza three times a week, bagels every morning, and uh, a lot of Indian and Thai food while I'm gone. <laughs> I'm lucky that my feeder like they'll. He feed can cook. Me he just doesn't nights. like to. And my school, I'm on meal plans, so, like, there's a Chick-fil-A on campus. I can eat chicken nuggets and french fries every day. And it's prepaid food. I don't have to pay for it. I paid for it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I already did pay for it. (laughs) Yep. But you don't see it going out of your $2,300 meal plan. Yeah, I remember those. (laughs) Fun. Hey, you know what? I don't have to cook. And people love me on at the show because I bring them food. I bring the, you know, I'll be like, oh, does anybody want coffee before I leave campus? Yo, you want a nugget meal? I brought the sound person a nugget meal every Thursday night. <laughs> I, I brought nuggets every Thursday night for re- from rehearsals or shows. I would bring her nuggets and fries. And she probably like, loves that. You got to get in good with the tech crew. Exactly. How many times do I say that? I always am buying them candy or bagels or donuts or coffee. Coffee because partly just because I like people and I like to bring them stuff, but it makes it so and much partially easier. Partially because if manager. something goes wrong, you want to soften the blow when you yell at them. <laughs> yeah, and they take it much better well. because they're like, "Well, you do care about me and you do like me, so you're not screaming at me because you hate me. You're just screaming because something needs to get done." They do take it much easier. It's true. Yes, when your friend, you want to be friends with the cast and crew if you can. Yeah, it makes it so much better. Fact, Not every did, show makes that possible, but... Yeah, there's there's always one or two that make it difficult to do that, but you can I have forsworn musicals. Enough. I have forsworn musicals after this year. <laughs> <laughs> Are they more difficult for you than uh, straight plays? It's just last year we had a... For- now, remember, this is an adult community theater. Everyone is in their 20s or 30s, with the exception of, you know, young cast members when they're needed. The stage manager was 14. 14? Who puts a 14-year-old in charge? Mm. Yeah, and I was the ASM for her. And I, uh, she, like, had a mental breakdown. Um, there was a lot of discontent with the crew, with the cast. This year, I came in late because, like I said, I was doing Savannah Sipping, so they didn't want me to come into their show before Savannah Sipping closed. And, um... When I came in, they had had two crew members, stagehands, that I were going to be on my side of the stage because I always run stage right and the stage manager runs stage left. And just from the get-go, you could tell they weren't exactly thrilled to meet me. I was quite clearly younger than they had anticipated. And it, it, it escalated and it was, it, the show didn't run as smoothly as it could have because of it. It happens. Interesting. Do you it, find I, because I, of your... Age? Go ahead. Yeah. Because of your age or because you're female or anything? Because we've also come across that a number of times, too. Because I look 16. I don't look 20. I don't look like I'm going to be 23 in June. Yeah. We find that a lot. uh, Being female Uh and being younger. Because we both started right out of school, too. um, Having to prove yourself. And I still have to somewhat prove myself when you get into a new theater because I walk into a theater as a TD and most of my crew are men older than me. And so immediately Mm -hmm. you have to jump through that hurdle first and kind of prove yourself and, you know, fit in before they accept that you're equal or in charge or part of the team or anything like that. Yeah, the set crew, I'm very lucky. I've kind of become the darling of the set crew. I'm usually the youngest one. The uh, the head carpenter, Larry, he goes out of his... We get donuts every Saturday morning for set, for set crew, and he uh, he always makes sure there's a sprinkle donut in the box for me. So <laughs> I, I've kind so of nice. become like the little darling of the set crew. And every other show I've worked, I've never had a complaint, but the musicals have always ended with me having problems. So I've tend to... I tend to lean towards the straight plays... Or working with people I know instead of doing, I, I don't think I'd do another musical unless like they really needed a person. It was funny, the last, I ended up doing lighting for War of the Worlds or one of the shows, they needed a person. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm too busy. I, I can't do it. 
and I saw the emails to the, because the, I'm on the email list, and I saw the emails to everybody over and over again asking for a light crew, asking for stagehands. I'm like, they're going to call me. I know it. They're going to call me. Sure enough, they did about a week later. And I don't remember what I, I don't remember if I worked that show or not, because I can't remember which show it was. Done so many at this point. But yeah, I remember yeah. just watching the emails being like, they're going to call. I know it. They're going to call me. I'm trying to ignore them as good as possible, but it's not going to work. <laughs> I'm not going to answer the emails, and sure enough, my phone rang. I was like, ugh! And then at that point, it's almost impossible to be like, no, I know you need yeah, help, I'm, but ugh. I'm pretty sure I probably ended up doing that show. <laughs> probably. War yeah. of the Worlds was fun. It's a really good example of the school life, or the school activity balance. We It was our homecoming week, War of the Worlds, and we were having Rachel Platten. And if you've seen my profile recently, there's a lot of Rachel Platten pictures. Rachel Platten was coming to campus. She was taking the stage at 9.15. My show was notoriously running till right at 9.15. And I was like, oh, we got it. The War of the Worlds, it was a radio show, so it was a straight reading, basically, on the stage. And uh, we got out at 9 o'clock. I pulled into the campus parking lot at 9.14. I was there for every minute of Rachel Platten. And my mom's like, you're not going to be able to do the meet and greet. It's just not going to happen. I'm like, I was like, I'm going to make it work. And it turns out in her contract, she did the meet and greet afterward. My nice. mom's always telling me that I'm not going to be able to do everything. And for some reason, it always pans out for me. Because I've you make gotten lucky. Yeah, you can make the important things work. Or sometimes things just like happen to fall into place. And, yes, I've and gotten it works, lucky. They have consistently it's all magical. fallen into place. That is excellent. I feel like, yeah. I don't know who Rachel Platinum is. Do you know Fight Song? Probably not. I'm really bad. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. It 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 played. I I know that song. Yeah, it played like nine nonstop on the radio for a while. That's Rachel Platinum. Oh, okay, great. And I got to see her at Mohegan Sun recently, too. And I was just in awe. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened to me not once but twice. (laughs) (laughs) That's always fun to meet people you are excited about. Yeah, we get we get some really cool artists at my school. And I'm lucky to be part of campus activities and get to meet them and see them. And like I've met I met Nick Offerman, who I was super nervous. Yeah, I was super nervous, and I mentioned that I was a stage manager, and he said, oh, well, I used to do acting and stage management, and I started doing acting more, but he actually studied at the Chicago Conservatory. I didn't know that did stage management. Yeah, and that's kind of the cool thing about, you know, being involved in both is I get, sometimes it just kicks off a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone tells me they do tech, and I'm all over it, like, ooh. Where? What do you do? What's your favorite show? Yes. Who do you work with? So awesome. Uh, we're getting close to the hour mark. We try to keep them around an hour. So we have one last question, uh, which we ask everybody. Do you have any twin stories? Do you know twins? Have you worked with twins? Have you... My my high school class graduated the most number of twins. We had the Gillespie's. We had Jenna and Jessica, we had the Stoddards, and that's the three off the top of my head that I know for a fact were twins. Just in your graduating class? Yes, wow. just in my graduating class. East Lime High School, class of 2013, you can look it up. How, how big was your class? Uh, 300-ish people, I think. Wow. wow. And yeah. you had at least three sets of twins? Because ours yeah, was least close to 700? Yeah, and we had... Two I think sets? two. <laughs> yeah. Us and the divorce. Us and the, yeah. At least that's awesome. Gillespie's graduated in my middle school class as well. So they, they came from Salem. Salem and East Lyme both feed East Lyme High School. Salem doesn't have its own high school. So it's a very twin, twin heavy up in Massachusetts. Connecticut. 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 Everyone uh, says Salem and thinks Massachusetts. It's, it's so funny. Yeah, it always makes me laugh when people say that. But there yeah, is that's just where my brain goes. Right? There is a Salem, Massachusetts. That's where the Salem witch trials are. Yeah, Salem, Oregon is the capital, that. and then you have Salem, Virginia as well. Oh, I was in Salem, Oregon two weeks ago. <laughs> really? What for? Well, I'm in Portland, Oregon right now working on Faust, and so I took a trip down to Eugene to see a show a few weeks ago, and one of the stops, because I took Amtrak, was in Salem. 
Oh, I so. love Amtrak. Have you ever done the auto train? If you've been to Florida, the auto train is awesome. No, I've never taken Amtrak in Florida. <laughs> the it's auto train? Driven, but maybe next time we go down there. Maybe they'll Is it on the West Coast? Advertisement, but... yeah. No, it's East Coast. <laughs> Salem, Florida. Salem, it runs from uh, Sanford, Florida. And it's a nonstop train to Washington, D.C. And their website, it says it's not just a ride, it's an experience. And they are so true. It's a very expensive ticket. But they take your car, they load their car, your car onto these special cars on the back. Oh, And they're two right. floors of, like, basically they're mobile parking garages. And it drags your car behind it. And you ride in the passenger thing. You either get a berth, which I never pay for, or you ride in coach. And normally there's no one beside you. So you can recline both seats and curl up and make a little bed. And you sleep on the train overnight. You get dinner and you get breakfast. And both are just community seating. So, you know, you sit down and they'll sit someone else right next to you, no matter if you know them or not. And you end up talking to people and you meet new people. You make new contacts. It's an experience and it's so much fun. I love it. And then I drive the eight hours from Connecticut, from D.C., where the train lets out to Connecticut. It's so cool that they bring your car so that you can then get around once you're up there. Yep. And it avoids it helps you avoid 95. You don't have to pay to park your car somewhere over the summer and you don't have to put the mileage on your car. You don't have to pay for a hotel. You don't have to pay for food. The food and everything is built into your ticket. So I paid four hundred dollars to come home and I got fed two meals. I had a place to sleep overnight, and I didn't have to, like, pay tolls or take 95 or deal with traffic for the or whole drive first by yourself hours of my trip. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sometimes it's a hard part. You just don't want to drive by yourself for that long. Yeah, the auto train is really into that. fun if you get the chance. Because we, we always, well, the last two summers, we've... No, that's not true. Last summer, we drove down to Florida, and this past time, we flew just because we went to California first. But... Uh, we do have a, a friend that did that. They took their car down on the train and then and then drove around while down there. So maybe we'll have to try that because I love taking trains because it's such an awesome way to travel. So Yeah, and it's pretty I'm good about being on time that. unless you're traveling in a snowstorm or a hurricane. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, try not yep, to do that. Um, yeah, it leaves at 4 p.m. every day oh. from Lorton and Sanford, respectively, and arrives at 9 a.m. the next day. Makes great time. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah, if you get the chance, just do it. It's it's so much fun. They have a $95 saver fare right now if you go on their website. Yep. And if you fly, later. if you fly, take Frontier. Yeah. Frontier is dirt cheap. I fly, if I'm, sometimes I'll come home for the weekend. Like I came home in February because Frontier's fares are so cheap to go see my old community theater's show. And I flew on Frontier, and it was like 50, 60 bucks for me to fly round trip. Wow. Nice. Yep. From I flew out of Orlando and flew into Providence. So yeah, always go to Frontier's, face, Frontier's website. Don't book through like Expedia or anything. Go to Frontier's website. And on their homepage, they usually have some kind of discount code, up to 90% off sometimes. Wow. Yeah, I just flew yeah. JetBlue because it goes straight to JFK. You but know, JetBlue was founded with somebody with AD, by somebody with ADD. No, I didn't know and that. The first one to do um, ticketless boarding because he got tired of always find. He got so tired of always forgetting his ticket and having to get it reprinted and standing in line and everything. <laughs> he just said, "Forget it. I'll just create my own airline." Oh, I wish I had that kind I, of money. I know, <laughs> right? I wish I could do that. <laughs> yep, I'm so tired That's of your tickets. That's a pretty awesome way of dealing with life. Do my own airline without tickets. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, I want to be that lucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, you uh, said you've been lucky so far, so maybe that will continue. Yeah. Yep, maybe. Create my own air, create my own space airline. I would be right on that if we could. But uh, SpaceX guy Elon Musk saying we can. Elon uh, Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk saying we could get from uh, L.A. to New York in like seventy-five minutes or something, forty-five minutes. The Hyperloop. Yep. Oh God, please! I'm so tired of flying cross country. Yep, the Hyperloop, and then you have Virgin Galactic, which is actually working on the space airplane thing. Oh, yeah, I read a little thing about the guy who started Virgin. That was really cool, too. Yep, Sir Richard Branson, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then Jeff Bezos, who not only founded Amazon, but founded Blue Origin as well. Because why not? 
Exactly. <laughs> Gotta do one thing. When you, you have that kind of money, things. why not? Hope society. <laughs> it's always good. Yep, so okay, every time well, you're buying something on Amazon, you're supporting a space company. I like to think of it that way, anyway. I like it. I'm all for that. Uh, so anyways, uh, we're at about an hour. Perfect timing. Ending with space talk and Amazon. Uh, starting with space talk and not Amazon. So, great. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on a podcast. That was it's so cool to hear everybody's stories and how they do theater but not always just do theater and how else it plays into life so thank you so much for for being on our podcast and sharing your story with us well thank you so much for having me it was fun <laughs> uh, thank Leo, you i'm sure i'll post everywhere when we release the podcast i i don't think this one comes out for a couple weeks after we, we have recorded it um because we have a couple already recorded so and I'll definitely be posting everywhere and tagging you and everything else. So, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at twinstocktheater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.